You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This episode of Gators Breakdown is brought to you by MyBookie, where you can double your first deposit. Head to mybookie.ag and use promo code GATORS to activate the offer. Bet, win, get paid at MyBookie. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining you after, uh, yeah, this one hurts. Ouch, Gator fans. Uh, it was it was there for the taking. But Florida loses his third straight game to Georgia, 24-17. to 17. I am a little deflated after this one. Uh, th- th- this was the year to get Georgia, as we've discussed the last couple of weeks. But Georgia shows up in Jacksonville. And once again, gets the Gators to help me break it all down on this episode is Will Salmon from The Athletic. Will, man, I, I think it's fair to say the Gators were outplayed, outmanned, outcoached uh, by Georgia uh, in, in this game yesterday. Florida, Florida had some chances, had some crucial bad calls from the refs, still had a chance to overcome all that, uh, but fall short uh, by, by a touchdown. Yeah, I think you covered it there. <laughs> with everything you we're, we're done. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. But no, um, yeah, I, they look, Georgia looked like the better team. I know a lot of people have sort of brought up the final score and it being closer um, than maybe what a lot of fans are kind of talking about as far as Georgia outplaying them. But for a large portion of that game, uh, Georgia never looked like it was going to lose. It, it always looked like it was in pretty firm command of that game. Uh, maybe toward the end when Florida had an opportunity to kind of, if they were to get a three and out on that drive, and if they were, if they would have gotten the ball, then that would have changed that conversation a little bit, but that didn't happen. So yeah, I'm with you. It, it was just not, it, it was a the absolute wrong time for Florida to turn in that kind of performance because that's not really the team that we watched uh, the previous, what, nine, eight or nine games. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. I thought, uh, yeah, Gators definitely didn't play their best game. I thought it would take that uh, there, and I absolutely uh, did not get that. So we'll break it all down. We'll get into, of course, the defense's problems on third down, uh, Florida's slow start on offense, uh, and uh, a lot of your uh, listeners' tweets out there who send them in. But before we get there, remember you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes. Catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Please share, rate, and review the show out there. Let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. And follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at Gators Breakdown. And don't forget, every week you can catch me with Ben Troop, former Gators tight end, on Talking with Troop, a News for Jacks exclusive. So, Will, I think we know where to start here. And uh, that's the performance of Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm uh, against this Gators defense here. Will, sometimes the game of football, you, you think you know how something will play out, 
and we all felt great about Florida's chances if they were able to limit the Georgia run game. Uh, and they did. They, they, they limited DeAndre Swift. He still had some yards, but uh, he didn't. It wasn't your usual DeAndre Swift performance you expect in Georgia. Uh, they, Florida did that. Swift went for 25 carries, gaining uh, 86 yards, 3.4 yard average. You, if somebody would have given you those stats before the game, you would have taken it. Uh, so, you know, Gators did their job there, but, uh, after the last two games and giving up over 200 yards each to LSU and, and South Carolina on the ground, Florida did what they needed to in that aspect. Uh, and, and going back and looking at the LSU game, we were also focused on the, on the passing game that the LSU run game, uh, ended up being a killer there as well. Well, against Georgia, uh, focus was so much, uh, on the Bulldogs run game that the Georgia passing game ends up being the difference in the game. Jake, Jake Fromm torches a Todd Grantham defense once again. Florida can't get a pass rush uh, in return, can't force any turnovers, can't get off the field on third down. Jake Fromm ends up going 20 of 30, 279 yards and two touchdowns. Lawrence Cager uh, returns for Georgia. He had seven of those catches for 132 yards uh, and a 52-yard touchdown catch uh, where Sean Davis just gets lost on the play. But, of course, story of the game, Georgia's third down production, the difference in the game. Uh, the Bulldogs converted 12 of 18 third downs with an average distance to go of 7.2 yards. That's not supposed to happen there. Uh, that's, that's, you know, the numbers don't match up, but, but it did. Uh, so uh, third and Grantham was alive and well. Eight of the third downs were converted through the passing game as Fromm went 10 of 13 for 119 yards on third down. So, Will – Gators did everything they were supposed to to get Georgia in, in favorable third-down situations for the defense. Gators couldn't get pressure with the return of Grenard and then limited Zuniga, and Zuniga's end up playing inside because you know the ankle flares up again and kind of playing and you know not the role that we know him to play best in, and uh, couldn't get the from consistently. The very few times they did get to him, he found a way to get loose. Last two years, the defense has forced no turnovers and only one sack. Uh, and that goes all the way back to not being able to create havoc up front against this Georgia offensive line. And uh, the last two years, Fromm has thrown for five touchdowns, no interceptions versus Todd Grantham's defense. And go back to 2017 when Grantham was at Mississippi State with Mullen and against Georgia. Fromm had two more touchdowns uh, there uh, as well, Will. So, man, Grantham really has no answer for a Jake Fromm-led uh, offense from the, from the Bulldogs. Well, yeah, it looks like that. Um, also, a couple of things there. Jake Fromm's pretty good. I, yeah. you know, a lot of people were, were really down on that guy heading into this game after a couple of his performances. And there was that stat that I even I use that I even used too in one of my articles, suggesting that or saying that when Georgia Georgia is what like own five or something like that when when Jake Fromm was forced to throw the ball at least like thirty times. And so that was more of a statement of that not that not being the style of play that Georgia preferred. It was not necessarily meant to be like a knock on Jake Fromm. I actually think that he's a, a pretty talented QB, Same one here. of the harder guys um, playing the position in college football too. So he he's somebody that you trust back there to make plays and to read defenses, especially pre-snap. And and he accomplished that again against uh, Florida the, uh, Saturday Saturday afternoon. I, I also saw a lot of people not give credit to to uh to georgia's offensive play calling i thought that was really sharp mm -hmm. um and i think that's worth pointing out and i agree with you 
one of your points that you made about the pass rush, uh, it just wasn't there. And sometimes Ty Grantham was blitzing guys and he was sending, you know, an extra defender here and there, but he just, they just weren't getting there. And that's a credit to the Georgia offensive line, which by the way, includes a, a couple of high end four star and five star prospects, which is something that Florida does not have on its offensive line. Yeah. And, you know, we'll overall, I think the uh, defensive performance can best be labeled as frustrating. <laughs> I mean, besides the, the 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 pure third down conversion stat, and, and that's the main reason for this loss. You know, the terrible non reversal Cager catch where the ball clearly hit the ground, not under control of Cager. There was that big, absolutely yes. It led to a Georgia touchdown, but you know it was just you know consistent soft coverage uh, by the Gators there, and some miscommunication where Georgia was able to take advantage. Um, not sure why there's a lot of soft coverage out there, but we've seen uh, we've seen a lot of it this season more so than I thought we would, especially with with, with Wilson and Henderson back there. Uh, and good QBs are can take advantage of that. Good quarterbacks are going to take advantage of that. We've seen it with Burrow and, and Fromm so far this year. Uh, while we're kind of discussing the secondary, you know, we've questioned the safety rotation all uh, all year, and yet here we are in a game where you know Sean Davis and Brad Stewart give up two of the biggest plays uh, later in, in the fourth quarter of the game here. Uh, Trey Dean is abused early on in the game. Uh, you know, Georgia really attacking him, taking advantage. They were take, able to take advantage of safety play by the Gators as well. I mean, Georgia kind of just knew what they wanted to do in this game and, and really attack Florida's weak points uh, in, in the defense. And we know Trey Dean has struggled in the nickel star position. We've known safety play has been inconsistent uh, there. And it, it, it and I was listening to an interview uh, with Lawrence Cager, and basically just what I said, they knew places they could take advantage of this Florida offense. And he even mentioned they weren't sure how Florida would line up against them because of the, Georgia has struggled against man coverage so far this year and, and their receivers and they weren't sure how Florida would come out, but consistently Florida kept showing soft coverage and they knew they felt comfortable in finding a weakness uh, in, in the soft spots, a weakness in the zone. And Lawrence Cager just talked about it. Uh, he said they, they felt comfortable about if Florida was going to line up that way, they knew exactly how they were going to attack. Yeah. I saw that same interview. So I'm glad that you brought it up. My thing though, is that I'm not sure if like the answers are like readily available. Like what? What do you do if you if you're switching it? You know, um, I I think like maybe something that I would probably like to see a little bit more of is maybe Marco Wilson in that sort of a uh, star position instead of Trey Dean, and you see a little bit more opportunities for Kyrie Elam. Mm-hmm. I think he's played really well in limited action so far this year, especially as a true freshman. So that's that's one thing that I would see. But as far as like if you were to do it over, David, is there anything that kind of comes to mind uh, from from your perspective on like what they may have been able to do differently defensively yeah i mean the only thing i can say is is maybe man up more with with yeah. wilson with wilson and henderson that's i mean that's really about it like i said georgia was georgia was really firmly in control with with their play calling and, and being able to say maybe think maybe something changes but i mean georgia knew what they wanted to do in this game and kept i mean don't get me wrong and florida did a great job in the run game i think they should be commended for that uh, absolutely, and stopping the the way for that game to get blown wide open was for Georgia to be able to run the ball. You know, Florida kept this game close because they were able to stop the run. Uh, you know, the, Swift couldn't get anything going on the inside, inside tackles, and you started seeing as the game went on, they started testing the edges a little bit more, Swift using his speed to get outside. Georgia got creative, a little creative in the play calling to get him outside uh, there against this Florida defense. But, yeah, for, I mean, for the most part, I think the only change that honestly that we maybe could have seen 
I don't even know if it makes a difference. Is it just maybe a little more uh, press man coverage against these Georgia wide receivers? Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I agree. I'm not, I didn't ask that question in order to kind of like throw a blanket excuse or just say like, oh hey, yeah. you know, they everything they can. I don't necessarily like believe that line of thinking. I think they. I, I'm just saying that they got flat out whipped. Uh, you know, on on that side of the ball, um, particularly on third downs. I mean, it's just that that's what happened. Um, you, you got beat, and there was a lot of reasons for that. And each one, yeah, there were some similarities in some cases, but. On one, there was a blown coverage. On another, there wasn't enough pass rush. Um, on another, there was a missed assignment. So it's like you kind of just go down the list, and it's like there's a couple of different reasons for like each single one of those third down conversions not working out. And the only real common denominator is Georgia just being in control and looking at a matchup and saying, hey, we're going to hit this one, and then executing it fairly well throughout the, throughout the entire game. Well, I mean, I mentioned the run game and what it, what Florida was able to do there. And don't get me wrong, you know, uh, we know the main story, uh, and Florida still lost because of and basically, you know, couldn't stop and couldn't stop Jake from. But as I said, I think we we should commend uh, the, the the defense for what they were able to do uh, in the run game. Jonathan Gennari came back and you know had an impact in this game. Zuniga, when healthy, had an impact early on in this game. Georgia still converted to, when he was healthy. They were still converting third downs on the first drive of the game. Uh, for, you know, they end up selling for a field goal, but you know, you could see some of the impact that Zuniga and Granada were, were able to make there uh, in, in limiting Swift. There was the holding call uh, that brought back a Swift touchdown, um, of course, as well. But you know, just all in all, you know, it, it wasn't uh, overall yes a terrible performance, but uh, yeah, they, they were they were able to stop the run game. Yeah, it's just like they did. Jake Fromm just had all day to throw on a lot of those on a lot of those passes. And that's that's really you give a guy who I just said earlier in our conversation was was so smart, um, pretty cerebral player, really. I think he's you know, I can't say it enough. He's a smart dude who knows what he's trying to do back there. And so if you're giving a guy like that time, he's going to make some plays. And there was one play. Also, I think it was a touchdown that he missed when he tried to extend the play earlier in the game. Um, now, that's that's kind of, in my opinion, the, the play that kind of separates him from like your elite, elite quarterbacks mm-hmm. in, in the in the country. Um, but like that's the play that he's not making. But he makes all the other ones, I feel like. And, and that's like one of those extremely spectacular plays that would have went for a touchdown. Um, and that's really, you know. Uh, a play that not a whole lot of QBs are going to make anyway. So that that's really the difference, I think, between him. So all that to say, you were playing against a pretty good quarterback and and um, an offense that, yeah, it had its struggles with uh, wide receivers getting open. But one way to sort of overcome that is to give them more time, which is what Georgia did every, pretty much every single occasion, it felt like. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because that's kind of where I was going to go next. With him having all day to throw, you know, Georgia hasn't necessarily – with Jake Fromm, this has been his third season. It hasn't necessarily used the middle of the field a whole lot. And since he had so much time, you saw the middle of the field being used a, a good bit, some drag routes, uh, crossing routes, uh, tied in, coming all the way across the formation in the big catch uh, there in the fourth quarter to seal the game for Georgia, all because he had time to throw. So, yeah, the, you, know, you, you, you kind of throw over the – you can throw – to the edges with receivers you trust when you don't have a lot of time to throw, but with him sitting back there all day to throw, I mean, the, the whole field, every route was, you know, every route was available for him to kind of cycle through, go through and, and you know, figure out the, the play that needed to be made. 
Yeah, you know, it reminded me a lot of, of like Florida's offense for a little while, to be honest with you, because then there were mm. times where he would just dump off a pass and he would just take the, you know, the, the five to seven yards and they kind of just keep them on schedule, which was something that Florida was not doing. Uh, Florida was getting behind a lot of times and it was the complete opposite for Georgia, which, yeah, they converted a lot of times some, some long third down conversions. Um, but for the most part, they were also staying on schedule throughout their drives, though, um, and kind of and kind of picking up a couple of yards here, a couple of yards there, and then hitting that third down. Yeah. Um, well, anything about secondary play besides the safety that we kind of figured in and out, but you know, Marco and, and CJ, you know, Marco's tackling, of course, probably can be a, a sore spot uh, we can talk to here, not wrapping up. He was in position a couple of times. Just wanted to hit a guy, not necessarily wrap up and, and, and tackle. I mean, we're what now eight games through or nine games into this game for, for, for this Florida. And hate to say it, but you know, this secondary and it's what we like to label this Florida secondary is DBU. Man, after the LSU game and the Georgia game, you know, they're definitely not living up to that moniker and, and definitely not uh, living up to the expectation we thought coming into this season. No. And yeah, like the expectations were high and that's, they were applicable. I mean, you're talking about C.J. Henderson and Marco Wilson, two of the best cornerbacks in the country, uh, certainly in the conference at the very least. And then you're throwing in some guys who you thought in theory would be better just because they were more experienced within Todd Grantham's defense as far as the safeties go. And we just haven't seen like that sort of consistency and uh, any sort of like progression that you feel comfortable with from one week to the next. Sean Davis has played well, particularly in spurts, but you just haven't seen like other guys really make a move this year, whether that's Brad Stewart or Taylor or Donovan Steiner or whoever else. Um, they just have not made that consistent move up to where you're like, okay, we feel good about these two guys. You just, I just don't feel like you have those two guys. Right. And you know, Sean Davis had a chance with a, to make the interception goes up with, you know, one hand for whatever reason, instead of trying to make a, you know, just, just make a catch, trying to make a highlight catch there. And, you know, you almost, you know, almost has an interception there to, that, that, that would have uh, helped, helped Florida. As I say, you know, Florida can't cause turnovers uh, when they're playing Georgia and, and two years in a row now where, uh, you know, Fromm just ate them alive on third downs and not getting any sacks and, and, and turnovers. So uh, kind of a mismatch here. Uh, ho hopefully, uh, Will, I hope Jake Fromm does, uh, just goes to the NFL. I, I, I don't want to see him again next year. <laughs> hey, you know, there may, there may be a decent chance of that. And yeah, uh, yeah. What, you get Carson back, so that makes it yeah. interesting. I guess he'll be the next guy, the kid who's not even on campus. Right, exactly. So uh, may, you know, maybe next year uh, you take your chances with uh, a young uh, Georgia offense. But, uh, man, yeah, frustrating performance from the defense for sure. Uh, and Gator fans, for sure, we'll, we'll get into your thoughts uh, on that as well. So, well, uh, third down offense wasn't an issue for Georgia, but it was a huge issue for the Gators offense. Only converting two of nine on third down. Uh, Florida's first third down conversion didn't come until 7-10 left in the game. A lot of credit goes to Georgia defense here for keeping it, uh, keeping this Florida offense and Kyle Trask out of rhythm, out of sync. While uh, their offense was controlling the game by converting third down after third down, uh, that helped their defense by not letting the, the Florida offense on the field and, and, and finding a groove here. Dan Mullen's a very in groove kind of a type of play caller, and, and you know Florida just could not uh, get any, any type of groove uh, there. I think it was only what twenty plays in the first half. Yeah, no. Oh, it was something like 30 through three three quarters or something like that. It was uh yeah. I believe it was like the low thirties after three quarters, which was pretty 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 crazy. Yeah. So 
I mean, look, we go back, first drive of the game, farthest driving, didn't have to go for it on fourth and inches, and pass falls incomplete as, uh, incomplete as you know, Pitts. Looks like he's getting held there by the Georgia defender, but I know it's catch-22, and we go back in the revisionist history here. I, I didn't like the call there, uh, and that might have been the first sign that, that Mullen, Mullen didn't trust his offense to produce in the run game, didn't trust his offensive line. Uh, maybe that was a signal early on there. Uh, Gators' offense for the game went very, very one-dimensional, uh, and that's one aspect of this Gators' offense you know, of, of not being able to get anything on third down. Florida's average distance to go on third down was 10.9 yards. So basically, you know, third down was third and 11 uh, for the game. Uh, Florida was in third and long because they could not run the ball or just decided not to. Uh, and, and I can see where is the thought that maybe Florida abandoned the run too soon. But the, but the Gators tried to rush the ball on first down seven times and only gained 15 yards. So compare that uh, to going 12 of 17 in pass attempts for 185 yards, and you can see why Mullen wanted to throw the ball. Uh, they were throwing the ball with success on first down, a lot more success than they uh, than, than they were uh, in, in running the ball. So you know, compared to two teams on first down, Florida averaged eight yards on first down, while Georgia averaged 8.1. Not a big difference there. Uh, so you know, but but it was Georgia's ability to convert third down while Florida couldn't. Um, mentioned having to go 10.9 yards uh, on average on third down. Well, Florida only gained 4.3 yards average on third down, not even close to converting uh, there. So three of five passing for 28 yards uh, and four rushes for 11 yards on third down for the Gators. Stark contrast, Will, between uh, what both teams were able to do on third down. Yeah, and it's just that was underscored in the time of possession statistic. It was overwhelmingly in Georgia's favor throughout the entire game, uh, up until like that really, really long drive in yeah. what the the end of the third, like fourth quarter, I guess, with ten minutes left. Yeah, um, that kind of skewed the statistic a little bit, but man, it was definitely in Georgia's advantage throughout throughout the entire game. And you mentioned the run the run game; it wasn't like. Georgia completely shut it down. They didn't go to it, Florida. Yeah. They didn't try it. Um, well, Michael Piran had like five or six carries by like what the second quarter or something like that. Mm -hmm. well, I think he only finished with a handful. So just, they just didn't go with it. And it's it, what I find interesting and what something that's worth asking Dan Mullen about uh, this week is just like that. So like that fourth and inches play last year, he would have went with like a QB sneak or something mm -hmm. with Franks. And I, I just don't know, like, why you wouldn't do that with Kyle Trask or, like, why not try it with Kyle Trask? Is he just not going to pick it up? Um, is the – are you just, like, that much that you're not going to win that battle? Like, that – do you feel that strongly that you're not going to win that battle at the line of scrimmage? Because I think even early in the, in the season before Felipe Franks got hurt, um, he was still going with that play a little bit. So mm -hmm. that's been something that he's always done too. So I just don't know why we haven't seen that uh, with Kyle Trask because I just feel like – I mean, he's what six five. He's yeah. got a body to him. It's not like he's completely different in that regard. So um, that's one thing that's worth asking about. And I also thought on that fourth down or the third down before it that maybe we should have seen Emory Jones there as opposed to seeing Emory Jones when we did, which was after a couple of deep passes by Kyle Trask. So yeah. uh, there's a, there's a, like a lot of nitpicking that we can go back and forth on within the offense and uh, the offensive play calling and just the lack of execution throughout. Uh, but it really does go back to the idea that Florida was never able to kind of establish what it wanted to do in this game. It, it never got into a rhythm, never got into a flow. And I think Dan Mullen's offense, a lot of it is predicated on being able to kind of set things up for 
not only within a drive, but for the next drive or for the next quarter. And he was just never able to get any of that done. Absolutely here. Uh, another frustrating part uh, about this game, mental mistakes that played Florida uh, will. I mean, had to waste early timeouts. And then in the fourth quarter, while receivers get crossed up where they're supposed to be uh, lining up, have to waste a timeout there. And, man, you could really see Dan Mullen chewing out Billy Gonzalez in that situation. And this was after coming off of a bye week uh, in the biggest game of the season. You you can't have things like that happen. And Florida's usually pretty clean in, in those aspects of a game, but you know, couldn't have picked the worst time for that to show up. So, you know, in going back and in, in previewing this game, we talked about having to stop DeAndre Swift and, you know, what Florida could do on offense and all that stuff, you know, and, and things you don't ever account for or – or things like this, and especially for a Dan Mullen coach team, because penalties are not ever really a huge issue. Uh, lining up and you know, the little things usually add up for a, you know, a, a Florida team to win, but the little things added up here for a Florida team to lose. And you saw that early too, when they had to use two timeouts in the first drive, just because they, they just looked like they were unprepared. Yeah. So like right away, you kind of got the idea that, okay, something something's a little bit weird with this, with this game right now for Florida, uh, especially coming off an idle week where, Everybody, me included, we're talking about how much of an advantage that could be and looking at the matchup between Kirby Smart and Dan Mullen and saying, hey, Dan Mullen's the guy who's known as the X's and O's guy, not Kirby Smart necessarily. Um, and, you know, it's Dan Mullen who's known as the guy who makes, you know, the end game calls or knowing how to use the clock or just knowing uh, sort of the time and circumstance to, to do certain things or make certain decisions, not Kirby Smart. But we saw the complete opposite sort of unfold in a lot of ways. And just Georgia looked like the much more prepared team for this game. And again, that was that was clear early on, and it showed up a little bit um, down the stretch too. Like you mentioned, when uh, Dan Mullen was upset with Billy Gonzalez on the sideline just for not having the right personnel, it looked like on the field, or not getting the right call in, perhaps. And that was something that we saw a couple of weeks ago. I think maybe it was the Tennessee game, if I'm not mistaken, but. Even so, it's like you're coming off of a, an idle week and like these are things that just shouldn't have happened. And, and Dan Mullen, to his credit, took, took accountability for it, but it doesn't erase the fact that it was a major issue, I felt like, for this game. Absolutely. Uh, you probably have seen it too coming out right now, Will, but I know most people will listen to this as a recording, but we are recording this on Sunday at 326 and Willie Taggart has been fired by FSU. Uh, so kind of, su- su- uh, I guess surprising, but not so surprising news. And that we'll get right back into to recovering or recovering this, or reviewing this Florida Georgia game. But well, it kind of, wow. Uh, Odell Higgins will be named interim head coach for Florida state, but after the shellacking by Miami, putting on FSU, some big news here, uh, the day after that FSU, uh, I guess finding ways to get rid of really Taggart. Yeah. And, um, honestly, like, I'm not sure that's a good thing for Florida recruiting because, you know, th- this was not going well for Florida State. Yeah. Era, obviously, it ended the way it just did. Um, so I, any change for Florida State is probably an upgrade, right? You yeah. would think. Yeah, um, you got you to take advantage like right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you absolutely better because uh, the window may close depending on who they hire. Yeah. Now, a lot of times a media – so I'm going to throw myself in here, everybody. We make a, a, a proclamation right when a hire is made that, oh, that's that's going to be terrible for recruiting for so-and-so. And people did that with Willie Taggart and Dan Mullen, and it's been the opposite. But you just don't know, and you don't know who they're going to bring in. So, yeah, you better – you better. and this is something I wrote about 
after the game against Georgia. The window is there, not only with Florida State, but also with Miami. So we're not having a, a good year, obviously, either. And so the window is here. And it's like it's kind of a shame for Florida to not to not be able to take complete advantage. I think they're doing fine right now. I mean, their class is number 10. Mm-hmm. We all know that doesn't mean as much because they're number five in the SEC. But uh, they're still doing better than Miami, Florida State. Again, not saying much there, but they are. Uh, they just got to widen that gap even further. Yeah, absolutely. So there we go. A little bit of breaking news here if you're watching this live, but wow, there we go. So, all right, back to Florida, Georgia here, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so, uh, some, I guess, you know, somewhat, some good news there, some bad news there, as you say. It is a catch-22 here. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's bad because it's like crap, you know, like that's a, your, your rival is really spinning now. I mean, yeah. Fired a dude in year two, not even the season's over. Jeez. Yeah. Like I said, you don't know who they're going to bring in. Right. Okay. All right. So, something I mentioned in the preview last week, Will, was man, Florida needed to get, they need to get off to a good start in in this game and, you know, and maybe, you know, play with a lead and and it didn't happen. Uh, Florida was held scoreless for the first time this season in the first quarter. Georgia was up 10 to nothing in the game. Going back, and part of that was just not being able to, to get on the field on offense, and once they did, not doing anything with it. 26 plays in the first 42 minutes, three points. Uh, then finally got something going on a, you know, this was a, a nine-play, 80-yard drive uh, to close uh, the lead to 16-10. to 10. Georgia responds to extend the lead 24-10. After that, Florida got the TD they needed, but it came somewhat at a cost in a way. 17 plays, 75-yard drive that took six minutes and 50 seconds. Now, look, the, t- the touchdown was absolutely needed. You have to have it to, to have any chance uh, there, but you would have liked to see a sense of urgency because it, it put the defense on the field in a situation of having to go out there and force the three and out. And to have uh, and have a chance, and it, it was asking a, a lot given how the defense had been playing uh, so so far in the game. So, in putting all that together for the offense, while the defense did play poor, you know, I called Georgia to score twenty four points last week in, in my prediction, and they, they hit that. But I've, I expected Florida to score more, but a slow start, not being able to hit big plays like we've seen uh, accustomed to seeing. Uh, for, for, for this Florida offense and you know, forced Florida to, to use a lot of the clock in the fourth quarter, uh, really contributed to a, to, the, to a Georgia win. Georgia did a great job in, in not letting this Florida offense get comfortable in anything. Uh, there was a nice start to the game with Pitts, but it never really amounted to anything. It seemed like, you know, two steps forward and five steps back for, for this Florida offense. Every time it seemed like they were going to get a drive going, uh, you, you had the big gloss yard sack to, to, to Trask uh, or untimely penalty or, or something like that. It was just – it uh, it seemed like there was a little there, especially at the beginning with Pitts. Uh, it took forever for a wide receiver to get a reception. It was Pitts and P. Ryan, I think, almost the entire first and a half quarter before a wide receiver had ended up catching a pass, but uh, they were moving the ball when they did have the ball a, a bit in the first quarter, but just nothing, nothing consistent for this Gator offense. Oh, and again, it was reminiscent just watching the other side of it when Georgia was driving, how much of that sort of like reminded me of like a Dan Mullen offense a little bit, because it was like these like long methodical drives and, you know, Dan's Dan's really good at that just because and he's known for that. It's been su- successful for him because it always keeps his defenses a little bit fresh. And so Florida was not able to Florida was the other the other team in that situation on Saturday where their defense was on the field so long. And then when their offense got on the field, it just seemed like 
it was a three and out or a short drive where they were just not able to get anything accomplished. And so you look at the weird, like a weird game for Florida where you say to yourself, okay, if Georgia scores 24 points, um, I, I felt like that was a, a decent amount for Florida to think like, okay, if Georgia scores 24, they could still win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe Georgia would score anywhere from like 21 to like 26, 27 points, something like that. And Florida would still be able to win. Um, and so for Georgia to score 24 and, and really everybody to be talking about the defense for Florida and rightfully so the offense here doesn't get a free pass by any means. I mean, they yeah. were bad third down too. Um, and it just looked like, I know that the plan for Dan Mullen was a little bit uh, kind of tossed out the window because of the circumstances early on. And again, they weren't able to get the ball. They weren't able to hold on to the ball and really sort of hone in on what they, what the game plan originally was. Um, and so they, there had to be an adjustment, but still it's like, not, nothing seemed to be working until, again, like you mentioned, that really, really long drive. And just to kind of spell it out further, you're talking about, yeah, you need to score first. And that you got you got to score first to, to score again, obviously. But the amount of stress, like you mentioned, to put on your defense, because you're, if you score earlier, you're allowing your defense to give up a first down, still mm-hmm. have to play with, um, don't have to really get a three and out there. But the way that they scored, it was like, if you don't get a three and out, you lose. And that's what, right. that's what happened. So, yeah, it was just a very, very weird game on both sides of the ball for Florida and just wrong time for, for this type of for this type of performance on both sides. And, you know, it, it, and if it didn't happen back at LSU, too, when they had that long drive and, you know, it, it, that's the drive that ended with the option – you know, getting stopped in the goal line, but that was another drive where they needed to score. You're down by a couple scores. You're actually driving, but it's taking forever to get down the field. And I, I don't know what it is. I, I know the LSU of Baton Rouge, you're on the road and you see Kyle Trask making changes at the line and, and trying to get protections in the right spot. And that's the same thing we saw here in Jacksonville too. Maybe it's a little easier at home, uh, but you know, maybe that's some of the inexperience with Kyle Trask too. I don't necessarily know why. I mean, yeah. the, I think also it's just like their offense is so focused on taking what the defense gives them to mm-hmm. like, and then in a lot of those situations, the defense is giving you those short yard situations, uh, short yard pickups. So like you are able to get like 12, 15 yards. You're not able to necessarily get the 25, 30 score, 30, 25, 30 plays. Um, but you're able to kind of get those, you know, dinks and dumps, dinks and dumps here and there. And the, I don't know. I just feel like that's that's what Florida was doing, and that's what they kind of felt comfortable with, just because that's kind of what their offense is to a large degree. But yeah, it's like you got to adjust there. You got to yeah. I guess pick up the tempo, in my opinion, because again, it puts your defense in a bind. And I know the capability of Florida's defense. We all saw that against Auburn. We saw that in uh, instances late in games uh, in the red zone. Again, they played fairly well in the red zone to a large degree against Georgia too, for that matter. But you're asking a lot for a team that really wasn't – it didn't have its best day. And to kind of put them in that situation, I just don't know if that's reading the game um, the way it was playing out. All right. We'll get to some of your uh, tweets out there, uh, listeners. Thank you. You sent a whole lot of them uh, for your reaction uh, to this Florida-Georgia game. But before we do, it's hard to believe there's only about a month left in this college football regular season and almost halfway through the NFL season. So now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. MyBookie has the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet at MyBookie. If you're uh, you're the kind that likes to 
you know, bet a little and win a lot, then try a parlay. Pick your locks for the week. Put them in one parlay bet, and when they all come through, the rewards will be huge. And if you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, my bookie wants to get your mind off everything else and get in the game. So right now, double your first deposit at my bookie. Use promo code Gators to activate the offer. My bookie online today at mybookie.ag. That's M Y B O O K I E dot A G. Don't forget to use the promo code Gators when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid at my bookie. All right. So some of your tweets out there. And let's see. Let's start with. Oh, I lost my little spot there. Here we go. Uh, Kyle Walker says. For me, it was how we lost uh, against LSU. We were matching each uh, with minimal penalties and mistakes. Felt like a great game. Georgia just felt choppy with bad execution out of the bye week. I was satisfied after the LSU game. This week, it felt like we took a step back. And, it, well, we spoke to some of that there. Uh, it, it, it definitely does feel like a step back. You know, Gator Nation was ready for this game, ready to uh, see kind of how they matched up against Georgia. Uh, as we said, a Georgia team that was struggling. Many looked at this as a, you know, the, the chance to get Georgia. You had um, you had a quarterback that was playing well. You had an offensive line that you hoped was kind of making progress. Uh, you had a bye week to kind of prepare there. Uh, a defense that maybe didn't play as soft as they had. Uh, coming into this game because you had a bye week to maybe change some things there, but we saw you know, still trading at uh, at star and getting taken advantage of. And it, it just kind of seemed like the sloppiness and then some of the same things we've seen that have hurt the Gators throughout the season just kind of rear its head and get magnified this game. Yeah, and also this was not the greatest Georgia team that we've seen, I felt like yeah. at least. And so this gave you uh, that opportunity, but also like you – you kind of took a step back just because you were in the college football conversation at number six in the country. And now you wind up in the AP 10, obviously the mm -hmm. college football playoff poll will come out for the first time this year on Tuesday. Um, but you're, you're going to be an afterthought in that conversation um, at this point. Like it's, that's, that's kind of done for, at least for now, at the very least for now. Um, and probably for, for the entirety, the entirety of the rest of the season. But um, that's that's how you kind of took a step back. But in terms of just overall, like my impression of the team, it kind of doesn't change a whole lot. I feel mm -hmm. I feel like the deficiencies were just on full display at the wrong time because mm -hmm. it's a, a weaker team. Maybe you still win that game, even though it's not your best performance. But it's just you're not going to be able to cut it against a team like Georgia playing that way. Yeah, and and your credit to Georgia too. You know, as I said, I mean, you said it too. The way Jake Fromm has been playing, and credit to them too. I mean, they did what put it, put it this way. I go back and look at it, and Will, I know you hit it uh, on on your article. Uh, Will, we'll, we'll discuss it too. I mean, this game was simply just look at the trenches on on both sides and what Georgia's offensive line was able to do in protecting Jake from and what they were able to do in controlling Florida's run game. Uh, they pressured Kyle Trask at the right time uh, as well for, for a lot of the day. Uh, and look, we, you guys know I've talked plenty about recruiting on here and, and how much it, 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 it's it's magnified in the SEC. You have to recruit well, and it, you can't afford a, a bad day out there against a good team, a potentially great team. We'll see where Georgia goes after this. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, you know this, this game was won and lost in the trenches. you got to recruit on the lines, and it takes a little bit – it takes a while for those groups, particularly the offensive line, to develop. Yeah. So – 
like the guys that Florida has, a couple of those guys, they didn't recruit, right? The Dan Mullen and Don Hevesy. And so it takes like three years usually for a guy to really develop. But when you're recruiting the five-star guys or the, the high-end four-stars, a couple of those guys for Georgia are in the two deep. And, and at least one of them is starting who was part of that 2018 class. And that was a Dan Mullen Florida signing class or Florida Florida year for Dan Mullen. Uh, he was he, that was his class. And so it's like Georgia was signing guys. Florida was signing guys. Georgia was signing better guys. So th that's to me a, a glaring difference between the two schools. If you're looking about and talking about, well, where does it show the talent differential? It shows it shows primarily, I, I believe, at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian Hicks has a shout out here to you, Will. He said, uh, Will Salmon wrote it best, missed opportunity. So exactly this is what it was. Even with all the issues, we lose by seven preseason. Most everyone had us losing this one. We had the opportunity yesterday. Speaks volumes about how far we've come in two years. Again, we're okay. Uh, and that's a sentiment, Will, I, I did throw out there um, as well as far as fans go. Look, I mean – Yes, this loss is disappointing. Believe me, I hate losing to Georgia. It's not acceptable. But in the grand scheme of things, man, I also remember where this game was two years ago and how far Florida was. And look, um, and JJ Gatorman, a guy there on Twitter, put it best too. Florida was in this situation for it to be a big game because of Dan Mullen and, and what he's brought to the table. In, in two years in a row, this game is a top 10 matchup. Don't get me wrong. Eventually, he is going to have to win this game. He is going to have to. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, out there looking at it, there's still a lot to play for uh, this season. you got to, as we're talking about FSU and firing Wheelie Taggart, you still got to go out there and prove to recruits that this, is a, that this program is making progress. And there's no better way than to go out there and finish this season 10-2. and two. Well, yeah, because that would be progress, too. Yeah. That would be a step, um, tangible progress where you could say, we got better this year. Here's the proof. We have one more win. And they spoke all spring about how difficult that was. And it wasn't just smoke. I mean, that's a real thing. It is very difficult to go from nine wins to 10 wins. Um, it's especially in the SEC where you don't really get a let up uh, in the conference. Um, so it's a difficult thing. And I agree with uh, that person who tweeted that just because you do need to kind of reflect and say to yourself, not only is this team out of sort of like the doldrums of the 2010s where there was like some tantalizing moments where, hey, maybe this is when Florida is going to be back and it doesn't happen. Here it's more of like a steady growth or a buildup towards something, I still feel like. And if they could get to 10 wins, that's a successful season. Like right now is still a successful season for Florida uh, because like that person said, you were in the conversation. Um, and that's, that's also why it stings for Florida fans. Mm -hmm. It, 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 fr frankly, they should be pissed because it's like, hey, we were right there. We were right there. The poll comes out Tuesday. We could have been talking the conversation, really. One of, the, one of the more interesting conversations about the playoffs could have been Florida, and that's not going to happen. It's probably going to be Georgia who takes that spot in the conversation. So that's going to hurt, and, and you have every right to be pissed off about that, frankly. But, again, you take a deep breath. You say to yourself, okay, like – we're still ahead of the game when you look at in comparison where you were in 2017 when you made that switch. It's just you have to you have to close out strong. You have to win the, the three games, um, and you got to look probably pretty good doing so to mm -hmm. kind of keep people optimistic and happy. And then after that, you got to hit hit with recruiting again. Absolutely, Nicholas Goldsmith says Georgia was due a good game and they picked the perfect one. I think we let Fromm get too comfortable early in the game, which set the tone. 
If we can't let our DBs play one-on-one with their wide receivers, then we are not DBU. This was the year that if we beat Georgia, we had a clear path. Randy Buckley says, surprise, but not completely. Uh, looks like a perfect storm of Georgia exploiting every single weakness to defense having uh, and breakdowns in secondary. Uh, looked like Georgia coaching staff game plan better on both sides of the ball uh, than our staff. And I, I mentioned it early, Will, and you did too, the play calling uh, from James Coley, offensive coordinator there for for, for Georgia. Uh, d- deserves some credit too. He'd been, he had been under fire for the last couple of weeks for this Georgia offense there. Uh, but, you know, I, I do think a, a lot of it was due to yeah, – I mean – you kind of saw what was coming from this Todd Grantham defense. As we said, there, there was more pressure than probably led to believe that uh, there was a little more blitzing from Todd Grantham, but Georgia did a great job in picking it up. So it definitely made it look like there wasn't a whole lot of pressure uh, coming. Uh, but yeah, there was still a lot of soft zone coverage that is getting on a lot of fans' nerves out there, seeing that time and time again. Yeah, they did a lot of little things too. I mean, we saw Swift pick up some, some blitzes too. Mm-hmm from out um, their receivers running good routes for a change like that helped them out a little bit, you know? So I, I agree with the, the person who tweeted. It was just as much as I said earlier that this was the absolute wrong time for Florida to have this type of performance. Um, you could make, you could, you know, I, I'm a big believer in like law, law of averages where things sort of even out over time. And so I do like the idea that, Hey, Georgia was due for this type of performance because if you look at their roster, yeah, their wide receivers are unproven, but they're still pretty talented. And so that was kind of like the weak point for them. Their defense was a little bit questionable, but they were getting guys healthy too. And uh, they got a couple of key guys back that helped them out. So, yeah, just a lot of combination, a lot of factors. Uh, but to to the larger point of just this being a game where Georgia was probably a little bit due for as well, I could, I could, kind, of, I could kind of buy that without without obviously giving the, an excuse to Florida. But, yeah, that's that's part of it too, I think. Maybe we'll get a game next year where Georgia's just kind of coming in and don't have to hear negative things coming into the game for a week. <laughs> so, I mean, last year it was the LSU. They were coming off the LSU game where they had their worst performance of last year and had to hear two weeks of how bad they were. And this is another another year where they get lost to South Carolina, struggled against Kentucky. We heard for two weeks how bad they were. And you know, they, they seem to uh, – but look, this comes into a little bit of the next – the next couple of tweets here kind of feed into that as too. Uh, Mario C says uh, proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Uh, so the personnel issues defensively and the lack of adjustments offensively are hurting us still like Mullen and Grantham moving forward, but whether you recruited them or not, we have to scheme and prepare better beating ourselves. You know, we, we mentioned that a little bit. Yeah. The, the blame can go uh, both sides of the ball. Uh, look at it, the grand picture things. If you if you give up 24 points to Georgia, I felt good about a win there. But also the the the, the performance on defense was not uh, uh, was definitely not uh, you know acceptable either. Uh, Ralph, uh, I guess Seegobin, S E E G O B I N. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Disappointed, but obviously, but not all that surprised. Thought we'd score a bit more. I'm not going to rag on the defense too much, despite the inability to stop Georgia on third and long, because Giving up 24 points in retrospect isn't too bad. Kudos to Fromm. He made some throws. Dylan Young says, I will not understand the zone coverages. I just won't. It's on film multiple times this year that if you man up on the Georgia wide receivers, they're average at best. I was proud of the run D yesterday. This loss is simple. Horrible third down defense uh, calls, in my opinion, and those sacks Trask took. J.B. White says, my take. um, Well, here we go. One, that's a little different. Uh, here, this game wasn't about recruiting. That's a crutch. We need to drop it. 
yes, we're ahead of schedule and we're in great shape going forward, but face it, we didn't have as good as a plan as Georgia and we didn't execute as well as they did. Uh, the booth uh, review screwed us too. My thing is just because you want to say it's not recruiting or it is recruiting or it was the game plan or not the game plan. Here's the thing. Two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And it was on Saturday. Like we talked about um, the clear difference to me was one team had a, a stellar elite group of offensive linemen. One team really didn't. And, and that showed up in little ways and it showed up in big ways sometimes too, where, I mean, we saw Florida make a switch on their personnel with uh, the guards again. Mm-hmm. Uh saw the tackles not really have a, a great performance and get blown off a couple of times. Um, and that didn't really happen for Georgia um, against some really good pass rushers that Florida has. Yeah, guys were banged up. We didn't really talk about it, but Jeremiah Moon left the game too. Um, yep. So that was another guy that they were missing out on. But still, like, you have guys on that Florida roster capable of getting to the QB, and they didn't. And so, yeah, it, part of it was the fact that Georgia looked like it flat out outcoached the Gators, um, but still they also have better players. So yeah, both can be true. I mean, it's just one thing you could kind of fix right now, and that's get better players. You can't play the game over. So not until next year, at least. Right. Uh, last few thoughts here. Taylor Chase more disappointed than anything. We looked lost on defense for third down most of the game. Their offensive line bullied us for four quarters. Mullen called an okay game, but the offensive line is still very bad. Talent gap was obvious, and scoring only 17 points isn't going to win you many games. Uh, Dan Mullins at Jumpman Todd 2 says, Florida fans need to calm down. They are on here acting like Georgia won by 40, and the entire coaching staff needs to go. I think we are facing another 10-2 season with a New Year's 6 game. Nothing wrong with back-to-back New Year's 6 games in Mullins' first two years. Calm down. Gator Rillis says, Florida State, Miami are way down. Need to lock down the state. Everyone is coming in and pushing the big guys. We get the leftovers. No excuses. Lock down the border and get elite guys, or we will continue to not be elite. Uh, Mullen needs to overhaul this staff. Well, we've seen it a lot. Yeah, we can't uh, – you, 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 laugh, you laugh there. I'm sure you've seen it out there as well. Many people think uh, to a fault Dan Mullen is loyal to his staff and and the staff that's been with him for so long. You've been around the guys uh, for for a few years now back at Mississippi State and Florida. Um, You know, not anything to, you know, I'm not asking you to shed any light on anything you may know, may not know, but, you know, is our personnel staff's going to happen by Dan Mullen's choice or do you feel inclined that it may happen? Um, I don't anticipate changes just because, like, the offense works because of continuity a lot of times. We talk – I mean, if you talk to Dan Mullen, he'll bring that up a lot, whereas if it's the play calling, if it's the knowledge of personnel, it's the way he likes to do things, uh, what he likes to teach, what he values. It, it, a lot of it comes down to the continuity of having worked with John Hevesy on the offensive line, having worked with Billy Gonzalez. Brian Johnson, Greg Knox, all those guys on the offensive side of the ball. Now, if it comes to a point where like the recruiting is just going worse, getting worse or just not being able to keep up at all, then maybe like you have to sort of say to yourself, if you're the head coach, like how much do I sacrifice here? Um, but I, I just don't think that Dan Mullen sees it to that point yet. Um, so I don't really, I don't anticipate anything. Uh, lastly on, on that, um, note about the differential in talent, you know, it kind of did show up in little ways. I mean, even like that safety account on that fourth and inches play against Kyle Pitts, he was the one who broke that up. That kid's a five-star 
kid from a couple of classes ago. So it's like just little things like that. And so like the person who said like it's not a, a, a showing of that. Well, you got to like rewatch and, and look and see which guys are making plays, which guys aren't. And if you kind of compare that, you see that, hey, so and so was a five star two years ago and this kid was a you know a three star or a low end four star type of kid. And, I, you know, I hate to kind of like put those type of labels on kids like that. But most of the time they're pretty accurate or fairly accurate, at least. All right. Last couple tweets here. Uh, one from fan and then one that kind of just highlights uh, Florida struggles uh, on third down here. Uh, Gator for life uh, at uh, BOL Gator at Bowl Gator says, was what I expected before the season 10 and two losses to Georgia and LSU. Not disappointed at all. We hung with two top 10 teams that have superior talent loaded with five stars and healthy first-string quarterbacks. Mullen hasn't finished year two yet. We'll be fine for the future. And then a couple of tweets uh, I noticed and just kind of looking at some stuff from the game last night. Uh, Alligator Army here from the SB Nation site. Uh, in Florida's 17 wins under Dan Mullen, opponents have converted 81 of 252 third downs, 32%. In Florida's five losses under Mullen, opponents have converted 41 of 67 third downs at 61%. So, about a 30% jump in uh, losses um, in, in third down and losses uh, from this uh, Gator defense here. And then uh, Jason Starrett uh, here, I'm trying to figure out where he's from, uh, senior editor for, yeah, The Athletic. There we go. Um, really highlights Todd Grantham. Uh, it will. It's a fun statistic. I don't know if it means a whole lot, but it is interesting. True. Yeah. Georgia converted a season high 12 third downs versus Florida. It's most against a ranked team since the 2014 Belk Bowl versus Louisville. Todd Grantham was the defensive coordinator in both games. So the, just uh, I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to turn the knife here, Gator fans. <laughs> in what was to say something about the third down, David? Do what? What are you trying to say about third downs? Um, third and Grant. Uh, I said it earlier. Third and Grantham's alive and well. <laughs> and here's the, and here's the thing, though. Sure. And, you know, that was such a big, a big uh, detriment of his back at his time in Georgia as a defensive coordinator. He hung around for a little while more and then it went away for a couple seasons. Uh, it, it, the third and Grantham, it, 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 it really couldn't have been brought up for a few seasons with him as a defensive coordinator. But now uh, here, everybody remembers that nickname. And every time a third down happens, that that's where it goes. But now it's becoming a trend this year, and especially in the big games for Florida. Well, I mean, LSU didn't have many third downs to begin with. So <laughs> that one doesn't really, really contribute to the stat all that much. But uh, it is it, it has reared its head uh, again for Todd Grantham. Yeah, it has. Um, a little bit different. I think like in Georgia, he got that nickname mainly because fans were upset with like the amount of times he blitzed. Yeah. Blitzed on like third and longs, and um, it, they ended up getting a little bit burned on some of those. Here it's a little bit different. Um, so yeah, same result though. I mean, they're yeah. they're giving up far too many conversions on third down. All right, let's take a look around the SEC right quick before we go and what happened uh, here. Forty-five fourteen, Texas A&M over Texas San Antonio. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, wow, 54-24 over Arkansas game. That was uh, not even close, 14-0 after the first quarter. Auburn squeaks by Ole Miss, 20-14. Tennessee continues their winning ways, 30-7 over UAB. So Tennessee now 4-5 and five on the season. And South Carolina, 24-7 over Vanderbilt. So, yep, and then Georgia, of course, uh, takes the lead in the SEC East over Florida 
and Alabama LSU coming up next week. Probably will side decide the uh, SEC West there. And then, of course, uh, just mentioned it because of the Willie Taggart firing, but Miami beat FSU yesterday, uh, 27 to 10. So, well, kind of setting up now, you know, Georgia takes control in the East, not not completely over for the Gators and, and the hopes for Atlanta. Georgia still has Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M. Uh, they'd have to lose two of those. Florida would have to win out for Florida to go to Atlanta. So not completely done yet. Uh, we'll see how uh, Georgia responds after this uh, Florida game. Uh, so still some stuff to play for in, in that regard as well. Uh, but then the uh, the big matchup next week, uh, Bama and LSU. Yeah, definitely still a lot to play for for Florida. It's just that they um they were the, the the real kind of takeaway. What's different now is that they were in the college football playoff conversation, and right now they're out of it um, after the loss to Georgia. And so, yeah, they still have a lot of things else that, that are on the table, but for right now, that's no longer there for them. And it, it, the, the big shame was that it was just 24 hours prior, of course. Yeah. All right, well, man, what you got coming up with the athletic this week? I know uh, you're getting a whole lot of shout outs, getting a whole lot of notice. People loving uh, what you're uh, doing over there at the athletic. What you got coming up? Appreciate it, man. Um, probably going to hit some like uh, bigger recruiting stories for this week. Uh, pretty timely, right? Uh, but yeah. I actually had that planned anyway, so whatever. Um, that so we'll have that in the works. We'll also do some um, decade look back. Not exactly a uh, happy light, you know, time the 2010s for Florida. Uh, some dark areas there, but we'll re- we'll revisit some um, of that in um, a company wide sort of look back on the decades, considering it'll be coming to a close uh, this December. So uh, a lot of he- a lot of head. Um, obviously, the Vanderbilt game um, had something on that as well on uh, next Saturday. All right, that's Will Salmon. You can find his work at the Athletic. Get their app or head to theathletic.com. Uh, I'm David Waters, host of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.